What is up, internets? Welcome to the Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense podcast, super special edition, episode number 40. All right, everyone, we have a very special guest on the screen today. You probably recognize him from internet fame. We have the legendary Master Ken on the show today here to discuss a topic he decided not to tell me yet. So we're going to figure it out right off the top, and then we're going to jump back and forth. Just so you know how the show works, this is a debate-based podcast, not a argument-based podcast. So I bring on guests from all around the world in various fields, and we discuss hot-button topics in the martial arts and self-defense world. The show works very simply. My guest always gets to set the conversation, so they're picking the topic, and they also get to pick what side I'm taking. Also, Master Ken's going to get up to four minutes to set the argument the way he wants to set it. So his opening statement will define how we do the rest of the show. Sometimes I'll come across real horrible on this show because I'm always taking the devil's advocate side. If you want to know my actual thoughts on the topic we're doing, Feel free to jump on my Patreon at the $5 level for final thoughts. That's enough out of me. Master Ken, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm uh, very famous. Basically, I am a YouTube sensation, uh, very popular on YouTube. Got about over half a million subscribers there, about another oh, 700,000 people following me on Facebook. Uh, you know, you can go look at the numbers. I don't pay attention anymore. Who has the time? Mainly, I'm popular for creating. Ameridote, which is the world's most efficient and dangerous street fighting system. My instructional videos have been seen all over the world. I think our highest viewed video is something like 80 million views, something like that. And um, had a lot of famous people on the show to teach them what they are doing wrong. So that's why even though Randy isn't very famous, I agreed to come on here and instruct him on where he's going wrong, correct his thinking, and give everybody an opportunity to learn from me. And we, we graciously appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the show. It, it's awesome. You should. So I, I do. I really, I really do. So uh, with this then, uh, Master Ken, you are, you are the person in charge here. What topic do you want to discuss today? Uh, I was thinking, since it's been in the news more recently, attempting to get MMA back up and running. I'm sure. still amazed that that's going on, that that's a, a popular sport at all. all right. So I, I think probably it'd be another opportunity for me to take it apart. Sure. All right. So let's, let's frame the debate in this manner, shall we? You will take the side that MMA does not work or is, as you coined, bullshit. And I will take the side that MMA is an effective way to defend yourself. Does that work for you, sir? Absolutely. Awesome. So again, how the show worked very simply is there are some rules. Rule number one is we start as friends. We leave as friends. We're not friends. He's like, again, he's doing me a huge favor here. So we'll start as he's the master. I'm the person he's helping out and we'll end that way. We don't want any fake internet rage happening. The next thing is there's a few rules. We have some logic fallacies that cannot be used during the show. If myself, if I'm caught or master Ken is caught in one of those fallacies, we have to acknowledge it. Take a deep breath. <sighs> Secede our turn and then do, I think, one of the hardest parts of the show, send a compliment to the other person across the screen. See, I actually misunderstood that in the email. I thought you said no fallacies. No, oh, no. <laughs> also, that's, while that's not incorrect, no fallacies, please, we also want no logic fallacies. 
Okay, so no logic fallacies or fallacies. Yeah, both I think is great. This is hopefully like- Are there other things that start with a PH that you don't, like, a, like an F or PH sound that are not, a, not allowed? Uh, maybe don't do any fentanyl. That'd be great. I don't want you doing that on the show. Uh, no, I ran out. Oh, did you? Okay, so we should, yeah. we should be okay here. No. So if you want to know what the logic fallacies are, feel free to jump onto episode one, and that is where we discuss each fallacy in some detail, just so you know how the show works. Master Ken, if you are ready, I'm going to be putting 20 minutes on the clock. You can start the debate with your opening statement. You have up to four minutes to establish that MMA is not effective for self-defense or martial arts in general. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go. MMA is bullshit. <laughs> All right. That's fair. So counterpoints, I guess, is, is my side of this. Is that your opening statement? It's, it's just bullshit? I mean, I could elaborate if you want. I would love you to. That would be great. Okay. Uh, so when the Ultimate Fighting Championship started, it was the closest any fighting style or fighting event had ever been to a street fight. Mm -hmm. And while they didn't exactly get it right, I still admire their attempt because at the time, I believe in the first UFC, the only thing that wasn't allowed was eye gouging. And then I think uh, steadily as they progressed, then they said no fish hooking. And then I, uh, eventually I think they might've said no groin ripping. Um, right. But at least in the, in the beginning, they were, you were allowed to strike the groin, uh, which was uh, why I was willing to watch. Um, as they've turned it into a sport, because it kept getting outlawed everywhere, mm -hmm. uh, they had to turn it into a sport in order to make it legal to put on the event and to sort of save the brand. And the more they did that, the more it became like, uh, whatever they call it now, the WWE. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's practically the WWE or the NFL, you know, they have more protective equipment. Uh, they have lots of rules. There's pages of rules of things you can't do. You can't strike to the back of the head. You can't strike, uh, you can't kick when the opponent is, is down. Uh, there are certain things that, you know, it, even, even pride fighting used to at least be close to a real street fight. So when you bring, whether it's an experienced martial artist or a novice into an MMA world, you're teaching them how to fight with rules. You're teaching them certain targets are not available. So when they end up in a real life and death street fight, they are instinctively going to avoid moves that would be illegal in MMA, but would end the fight. Awesome. All right. And I think those are excellent points. They are very well put. Uh, I'm going to throw some counterpoints out there. So number one, I think on the debate side of this, repeatability of training will, I believe, for this debate, will supersede the uh, effectiveness of a technique. So the sport techniques, while done, can be done over and over and over again in order to build good patterns and targeting. Uh, with the uh, more with the stuff that became illegal over time, that stuff can't really be replicated in the gym. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think they're doing it right. I mean, uh, you know, in my dojo, you know, somebody says, "Oh, you can't can't practice eye gouging." Correct. Um, I assume they've never been to a butcher. Uh, go get a uh, go get a pig head. Okay. Uh, go, go get a, uh, you know, just ask them, 
go in and you know call, you can call your local butcher and just say, do you guys sell anything uh, with eyes still attached? Um, now that's not going to be cost effective. Sure. That might be that you know that might be expensive. But another thing you can do, say okay, so say you get your pig head and you hang it in the dojo and you gouge out its eyes a couple of times, and now it's hard. You know now the eyes are all gouged. Get some grapes. Get yourself a bunch of grapes and just every time you gouge them out, replace the eyes, gouge, replace the eyes. So you can at least replicate the action itself. Uh, same with knife training. They say, well, you can't practice stabbing somebody. You absolutely can. Um, cadavers, uh, you know, medical so students. Tell me a medical student has never, when nobody's looking, just sort of <laughs> taken, you know, just, just when the professor is busy, just taking a knife and just, you know, just gone and just, just, give just a little feel what it's like. I would hope a lot of the uh, medical students didn't with that whole do no harm credo, but I'm sure no, they're have... already dead. I mean, what they're, they're already <laughs> dead. What are you going to harm? <laughs> nope. Fair enough. That's true. They are already dead. So you're advocating that they the training modality is incorrect when it comes to MMA and they're just using this as an excuse not to get more realistic training because there are methods. So when we talk about like groin shots, for example, groin shots in the experience that we've been teaching are either, enders or escalators i know you have a different thought process on that but we believe it might end the fight but also might escalate the fight the reason they were taken out of mma is because the fight did need to become more uh, fair that's what people are looking for and they want the fights to last longer so while i agree with that what would be the methods you would use to train groin attacks for safety for repeatability because again the argument is the non-repeatability of these more dangerous targets well, once again, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be able to do any of these methods on this show because there's no phalluses allowed. Right. Uh, but, right? you know, again, just go uh, go back to your local butcher and get yourself a sausage. Uh, okay. get, a, get a sausage and some, some frozen meatballs and uh, put them in a baggie and then just attach them to Bob here, you know, right in the nether region right. and just practice grabbing, twisting, stomping, ripping, and you're practically, you know, you can even do that with uh, your students. I would have them sign a release, definitely. And I wouldn't sure. uh, do any of this on video because you may get sued. But uh, just have them tuck it, tuck the baggie under their belt and just have a sort of faux groin. Uh, and you just, you know, it's like playing flag football, mm -hmm. except it's a groin. So like, got it. So it's like attacking a groin like flag football. That makes sense. So I'm going to move the debate slightly out of the way here or to a different portion of that because that makes sense. So you're advocating better drills for it. The next problem that comes up mostly when people talk about arts like you're like you so effective that the people don't have the physical resilience or conditioning in order to push through a fight that might not be going their way. MMA has to be one of the best testing grounds for building up that fortitude and adaptability and resiliency in a physical altercation. I guess, I mean, you could take a spin class and get the same uh, experience. Um, you know, if it's all about cardio, uh, to, to me, cardio is for people who can't fight. Um, okay. <laughs> because A, they're gonna need the cardio to run away when they're losing. B, a fight shouldn't last that long anyway. If you're in a fight for more than 25 seconds, you don't know how to fight. That's all there is to it. Okay. Um, you know, even uh, even Bruce Lee, even though I, you know, the Jeet Kune Do stuff is bullshit, 
uh, part of the way that he came up with that was uh, when he had to do his famous uh, fight uh, against the, um, the guy, uh, the Kung Fu community didn't want him teaching their secrets and he had to fight for the right to teach. Right. One of his complaints at the end of that fight was that it lasted too long. He was frustrated with himself for not being able to dominate his opponent faster and more effectively. So that's an argument that you don't need cardio unless you're not any good at fighting. So when I teach my students, I tell them no cardio. Right. No cardio whatsoever, that the fight should be over in a matter of seconds. And that's why we focus on the groin rip, the eye gouge, the throat, uh, the stomping. Um, so that's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you find yourself out of breath and still in a fight, then you deserve to lose. Then you deserve to lose, fair enough. So what do you scale or do you think about at all when this is happening? What if the person is just able to defend against the groin or the eyes or the throat? So they have their head tucked, their eyes are turned, they're holding you. Then what happens? Like what about that cardio level? Well, again, that's, you know, that's a power issue and that's a penetration issue. Uh, I should be able to penetrate my opponent's defense so effectively. You know, you th think of me as like Masoyama. Okay. Um, taking rocks and, and just, you know, cracking them with my hand. You should be conditioning your body to the point where if Bob had, say Bob had arms and he was using them to defend himself, I should be able to take a hammer fist and just crack him on the arm so hard that it breaks his arm. So it doesn't matter that he's blocking. Okay. So there, so there is some physical conditioning in what you're saying in a real art, but that art is more the bone breaking physical conditioning and not the cardio based physical conditioning that I was arguing. Okay. Well, if you're talking about cardio, are you talking about, <laughs> so you're saying that, that he's dodging me? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like maybe he can move or maybe he just, you don't have the, just you didn't, your conditioning isn't working or they've also equally conditioned, i.e. in like an MMA fight where they're kind of equal, they're matched equally. I don't understand what you're saying. So, so, so in, let's say you're, you yourself are fighting somebody, you're fighting somebody similar to yourself. That resiliency, that conditioning is going to keep in because as you're trying to attack, they're trying, they're countering that attack. And then it comes to a war of, of cardio, does it not? Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, I'll concede that, especially if I'm, if I'm fighting myself. Right. Um, which it sounds like that's what you're saying, is that if I find myself, <laughs> I've moved into a parallel dimension. I've hey. moved into the mirror world, you know, right. and I'm fighting Bizarro Ken, um, which I guess his name would be Neck. And I'm fighting, if I'm fighting a, a, an opposite but equal version of myself, mm -hmm. then one might have that problem, but that's the only scenario where that happens because nobody else is going to be able to hang with me long enough for cardio to make a difference. So you believe that there's no man that could defeat you. There is no equal opponent unless we have to break the laws of physics as we know it and put you into a alternate realm with neck. I'm just saying it hasn't happened yet. Okay, fair enough. That's, that's, a, that's a fair statement. It hasn't happened yet. And you do publicly challenge people. So I'm assuming this is pretty, pretty, uh, a pretty good result. So yeah, then, if somebody wants to step up and disprove it, they can. Oh, there you go. You heard it. If you want to disprove, you want to fight Master Ken, feel free to do that. So the start of this debate was about um, the, 
they had to make this sport legal. And this is where you, your precipice of your argument is on is that it got more and more watered down. So you enjoyed the first attempt because the only, there's only one rule that was not there. And you said, we need to bring MMA back to the place it was, or at least closer to those pride. Or even further, even further from where it started. So wh- how far would you want to go? Would you want to like add weapons and multiple opponents? Like what would be Master Ken's yeah, vision I, of this? Yeah, Mike, because my other criticism is the use or lack of use of the environment itself. I mean, how many times are you uh, fighting in a nice, flat, canvassed, uh, you know, comfortable kind of uh, terrain? Mm-hmm. And the chain link fence is padded up top, right? If you try to jump up on top of it, it's, it's a nice, comfortable pad there. There's no, you know, there should be razor wire. Okay, uh, sure. <laughs> uh, the fence should be broken at certain points so that if you get too close to it, it'll tear your skin. Um, there should be uh, perhaps an abandoned car on blocks, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps an oil drum that's on fire. Perhaps. Um, broken glass, a piece of pipe, uh, a tumbleweed. There should be a variety of things that you would find out in the world environment because that's another thing that MMA doesn't train. They train that, you know, that's why you got these idiots jumping guard all the time. Because they think they're going to be able to grab somebody, jump up, wrap their legs around them, and then sort of nicely land on a, a comfortable surface. Try jumping guard out on the asphalt, you know. And if you do that and break your back, that's your own dumb asphalt. So what about, so right now we're kind of on this premise that your training will come out autonomically but don't you think that people can learn to adapt that so a person doesn't need to necessarily jump guard on concrete they're not going to become a robot if you look at somebody let's say uh some of the dirtier fighters like chel sonnen is an example he was ear slapping anderson silva in one of his fights that's an illegal technique that's not allowed what about the adding that so yes i would say the mma i I can't disagree for what you're saying with the the self-defense part but also what a great per- model to build yourself on. Can't you just learn the cheating tax? Wouldn't it be better to do MMA first and then come to somebody like you second? Or is that, would that make it too hard for you to rewrite all the bad training? It sounds like you're, you're saying that the art works when you cheat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I have to say, if that is a point you're actually making, then I will agree with you that, uh, that yes, MMA, uh, if you go into an MMA space and then you cheat, then you have a chance of winning. But I feel like that supports my point, which is that (laughs) there are already so many rules against it that an ear slap or, uh, you know, you pull a Tyson and try to bite a chunk of somebody's ear off. Mm -hmm. Um, My only objection is that you, the the idea that you would get disqualified or fined or, uh, or whatever, that that should be those, that should all be on the table. So I guess what I'm saying is kind of that. What I'm saying is learning just how to eye gouge or throat pop or kick a groin is good. But doing that from a superior position that you would gain from a sport model would be even better. So wouldn't it be beneficial to have that the MMA style of conditioning, testing, training? And then if the person needed to, it's much easier for a person in shape to pull an eye gouge out of nowhere than it is for a person who only trains for 30 seconds in a defense class to throw an eye gouge when they're out of shape. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting at here. Well, I, I guess I would disagree in that uh, if somebody has 
experience in real life, no rules combat. And then you get, uh, you know, I've seen it happen where you have some young buck who's uh, in shape and, uh, you know, uh, he's got the abs and, and he's got the, you know, got the head movement down and he's, he's done some MMA and, and uh, he squares off with an older gentleman with a belly and, uh, and a scar who just doesn't have time for it. And, uh, you know, the young guy goes up and, and gets his eye poked out mm-hmm. and he's screaming because no one's ever even gone for his eye. Uh, he grabs hold to do some sort of throw and, you know, gets his thumb broken off and shoved in his anus uh, because that's something he never trained. So I think that, I think that whatever you train for is what you're going to be ready for. You don't train to swim in the ocean by getting a a kiddie pool out in your backyard. You got to go swim in the ocean. That's fair. I think that the, this is, that's a very, that's a very anecdotal tale, obviously, especially with those situations that you laid out and that happened to the person. I would argue that uh, time and time again, athletes that are in better shape tend to do better than people who are trying to rely on street fighting techniques. And this is from years of experience in the bar, having a high school wrestler against a combatives person, the high school wrestler tends to win because just the resiliency and dominance of will tend to force through just the, the target-based, non-pressure-tested training. Are you countering my anecdotal evidence with your anecdotal evidence? Yep, correct. I am definitely countering that with it. That's why I'm not calling a fa- that's why I'm not calling a fallacy. I'm just saying making uh, that- sure our anecdotes just collide. <laughs> I would say though, I bet you. I don't want to do an appeal to authority uh, logic fallacy, but I bet we could find if we did case studies more of what I said than what you said. I think it would be hard to prove that because Mm -hmm. by its very definition, street fights happen uh, in the street. They happen um, at a moment's notice. Yep. They happen uh, without, uh, if there are witnesses, they're not always on video. There are so many factors. And so we don't actually know how many real life and death combative situations have arisen and ended the way I say they will. Right. Uh, because by its very nature, they happen in a uh, in an area where there may be no spectators to document. So we wouldn't be able to get any real numbers on that. Sure. So that's, again, super close to another fallacy, but I'm not going to call you on it, which is uh, appeal to ignorance, which means we can't possibly know that because we can't possibly know. But because I don't mean to appeal to your ignorance. <laughs> I meant you were appealing to the ignorance on the facts of the information, but also uh, true. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right, we got about two minutes left in this debate. So then what I want to ask you is, Master Ken is now in charge of the UFC. What are the changes Master Ken makes right now to make it less bullshit in your opinion? Well, I will give Dana White credit for one thing. I think the Fight Island is a good idea. Yes. Um, As long as he doesn't just build an octagon there and put it on canvas and do all the same bullshit he's doing before. You know, I say, here's what you do. You take the best fighters, you get the, you know, people from Jackson's camp here, you get the karate hottie, you get, uh, you get John Jones, you get all these fighters, uh, male and female and whatever else. And you drop them on the Island and, uh, 
you just sort of create a survival of the fittest situation. Interesting. There's, there's, there's weapons. Okay. Um, there's limited food. Okay. There's tigers. Of course. Uh, and, uh, and perhaps even, perhaps even a tropical storm on the way. Oh, you know, a tsunami. See, let's see, you know, everyone gives John Jones a lot of credit. Let's see him fight a tsunami. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. And so we just document the survival, not just of them against each other, but mm -hmm. them against nature and the elements. And uh, now you've got some, some real must-see TV. Awesome. We are going to end the debate there. But if you want more thoughts from Master Ken on this, we're going to jump over to final thoughts where I'm going to keep asking him questions about the ways that MMA is bullshit and also the ways that Ameridote is better than MMA in these manners because that is where opinion is. Master Ken, uh, if the people want to get a hold of you, where do they find you? What is your YouTube channel? What's all your socials? You can find me if you just Google Master Ken. That should lead you to most of it. You can find me on uh, uh, YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash enter the dojo show, uh, Facebook slash master American, Instagram slash master American. And if you want a personalized video message, I'm doing those on cameo. So you can order a video for a birthday or for me to tell your sensei what bullshit he is. Awesome. Perfect. So definitely check him out on all of those areas. We have to support people who are doing the real self-defense, the real work out there to make sure that people are safe. So thank you again, Master Ken, for being on the show. That is the end of the free show. We are going to jump over to final thoughts. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, please review the show. It's the best way for people to find this podcast.